Hello, and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform, and it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today. The story is told of a boy that walked to his mother early one morning, and he said, Mommy, my stomach hurts. She says, what do you mean it hurts? And he said, my, my stomach hurts really bad. It's cramping, it's, it's gurgling, it's all that stuff. And I just don't know if I'm gonna be able to go to school today. And as mama uh, so wisely uh, put it, she said, you just need to go put something in your belly. You're probably just hungry. You need to go put something in your belly. It'll make you feel better. Okay, so the boy goes off, eats breakfast, heads on to school. That afternoon, the pastor stops by just to make a quick visit to the family. They sit around in the living room. Mom and dad are on the couch. The little boy is sitting between them. Pastor comes in. He's waiting for, you know, water to be served, and he's rubbing his head and squinting his eyes. The little boy said, what's wrong? He said, son, I've just, my head is hurting. I've got a headache. And he just boldly said, well, pastor, you need to put something in it, okay? And all of a sudden, a fence was made, right? All of a sudden, there is this presupposition that pastor had nothing in his head and needed to put something in it. You know, a fence comes. Hurt is a part of life. Saying stupid things is what we do. It is who we are. We are people that bring hurt, And in this story today, we're going to see the life of Hagar, and we're going to take a moment to look at Hagar's hurt. Before we do that, though, I'd like to jump into this thought by laying a foundation that um, even as in the last 24 hours, I've recognized personally that these things are true. Number one, hurt often is a result of pride. Um, a lot of times, the reason we hurt each other, it's, it's just simply this. It is a result of selfishness and pride. And, and you would agree with me, a lot of times when you've done something stupid or said something stupid, you look back and you thought, how ridiculous that was, how selfish of me that was, how prideful that was. And it's just a part of, of the makeup of man. Secondly, hurting often, or hurting others, is often a result of poor decision-making. How many times have you hurt someone just because you made a poor decision rapidly without thinking, without contemplating the end result, without walking through the process, without, uh, matter of fact, uh, this is a rule that I've broken myself. I've told people never to have a conversation unless you're in the right time the right attitude in the right place. We break that. I break it. I've broken it, right? And, and, and it's because of poor decision-making that we oftentimes hurt others. Thirdly, hurting others is often a result of just being human. Meaning this, there will come a time in your life, whether you like it or not, and as sweet and kind as you think you might be, there will come a time in your life where you will hurt someone. It's part of our humanity. We are broken people. Left to ourselves, 
We are selfish and prideful. We make poor decisions. And it's just a part of our humanity. And let, let me tell you this. I don't care how thick-skinned you are. There will come a time in this life where you will be hurt. Somebody's gonna hurt you. You're gonna hurt somebody and somebody is going to hurt you. It's just the way it is. We need to get through it. And I know this may hurt you, okay? Maybe I didn't think through this and might be a prideful saying, but my daddy says this all the time, build a bridge, get over it. You're going to be hurt and you're going to hurt somebody. And, 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 and that's the truth of the matter. Now, it doesn't excuse it. We don't have the right to say, well, it's just my nature, boo on you, just grow up, be a man, quit being a baby. We don't have the right to say that. It's not an excuse because it's in my humanity. The word of God is clear about this. It, it's just the truth of the matter. When we hurt somebody, most of the time, it's because of our pride and our own selfishness, or it's poor decision-making on our part that hurts somebody. And the truth be known, we are just broken. There is none, zero righteous, no, not one. For we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The heart is desperately wicked above all who can know it. The Bible says our filthiness, our righteousness, our good days are as filthy rags. We are sinners, men, Born of woman is full of what? Trouble. It's who we are. But how do we deal with the hurt? What happens most of the time when we are hurt? Different responses come out of us. Uh, number one, um, oftentimes escape. I mean, that's my response. I I hate, I despise confrontation. Some people are built for it. I can't handle it. I get all messed up and shaky and nervous and teary-eyed. I just, I'd rather just, when confrontation comes, I'd rather just run, get out of it, and hope it'll just deal with itself. I can't do that sometimes in the position that I'm in as a father, a husband, or even a pastor. Uh, but it's, it, it's a, but I just, I, my personality is escape. Run, get out. Anger, anger. When I'm offended, I get what? Angry. That is our nature. That is our personality. We get angry. Anger rises up. And then that vicious cycle kind of starts, right? Because they're angry. They offended me. Now I'm angry. I in return, notice this, pain and sadness. Pain and sadness surround being hurt. How many times have you literally been spoken to by somebody and it hurt you so bad and then later you found yourself just in pain, emotional pain? And a part of that, sadness kicks in. It's kind of like, well, what's the point of trying? I'm just not even worthy. I'm a nobody. I'm, I, I, I just, I'm done with this. And, and that, that, that is the attitude that this man gets. Sadness, pain, then watch what comes next. Resentment and revenge. When somebody hurts us, you got to admit, after those first emotions hit and we're angry and, 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 and we've we got pain and sadness and, and, and we've uh, pulled away for a minute, and then, then resentment and revenge kicks in. They'll get theirs. 
Yeah, they did that to me. All right, all right. And this, these things start to happen. There are emotions that surround hurt. Frustration, and this is oftentimes the worst one. Bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness kicks in. Bitterness is that cancer that wells up inside of us because of undealt matters and issues in our life. It, bitterness is um, the end result of hatred. I hate you, and now it has affected or infected, can I say this, my soul. I'm angry with you, and now I'm eaten up inside because of it, because I haven't dealt with it. That's hurt. And, and here's the crazy thing about this. If the first section is true, that hurt is a result of pride and, and wrong decision-making and, and um, humanity, and all these things surround hurt, isn't this kind of scary? That if all of us have the potential through our pride and wrong decision-making and our humanity to hurt someone else, and these are the results of the hurt, is it no wonder that our country is in the place that it's in? We're hurt. We're a hurting people because humanity does what humanity does. Sinners do what sinners do. And if this is true about all of us, what are the odds that today you're gonna be hurt? Probably good. Pretty high. <laughs> Pretty high. But, but this is the truth of the matter. And, and none of us are immune to this. No not one. None of us are immune to hurting and to hurting others. And in this story, in the midst of this beautiful promise covenant plan, we see this, and can I say this now because she's not going to be this, but at the moment of the story, she's this insignificant little side note character that God elevates. Abraham has already been elevated. Sarai has already been elevated. God has promised them, giving them covenant that through Abraham and Sarah, blessing would come on all the world. But then there's this woman called Hagar. Just a little background. Abram was 75 years old when God first came to him and gave him the promise that he was gonna call him out of the land and it was going to use him to bless the nations. Abraham begins his journey. Remember, let's skip ahead to Egypt. Abraham goes into Egypt, and remember when he did, he feared for his wife's life, and so he told her to tell Pharaoh that he was his sister. So covenant wouldn't be broken. In his mind, he had to himself make sure God's covenant wasn't going to be broken. Isn't that interesting? And since the heir is going to come through me, he won't kill me if you're my sister, but he will kill me to get you if I'm your husband so that he can have you. Can you imagine, just to be funny for a moment, can you imagine having a woman so knock down gorgeous that you can't even walk into another country without the fear of the king killing you? 
in order to have your wife. Either you're really prideful and she's really ugly and you're making her feel better or she really is what she said she is and we knew Sarah was. The Bible literally said that Sarah was beautiful to look upon. She was a gorgeous woman. Twice kings tried to take her from Abraham. And because of this, Sarai is brought into the uh, kingdom of Pharaoh and the harem is is, is all given uh, as a part of her livelihood. She's given servants and handmaids and riches and clothing and spices and all that stuff that would go to wooing a woman. And God brings plagues upon Pharaoh and Pharaoh recognizes, wait a minute, this is not just any woman. What have you done to me, Abraham? You take everything, by the way, Way. By the way, Pharaoh gave Abraham great riches in place of his wife. That was customary. So now Abraham goes into town and he comes out of Egypt richer than he did when he showed up and his wife does as well. And now she has a servant with her named Hagar, an Egyptian woman. And this is the background to this story that later on, the Bible says when Abraham is now 85 years old, he has this conversation with God and God said, it won't be through Eliezer that I give you the promise. It'll be through your seed. And then the next chapter, chapter 16 is the story where Sarai says, well, I better take things into my hand here. Take my handmaid, sleep with her and let's have a generation of children through her. There's always danger. We're not going to go there. We went there last week. There's always danger when we try to do the work of God. God never permitted that. And I want to make that clear. God never permitted polygamy. He never anywhere said it was right. He never anywhere gave permission for this. But man took it culturally into their own hands to try to fix the promise of God that they didn't see God doing in their own speed when he told them to wait. And now she walks out of the tent The act is finished. Later, she finds out that she's conceived and with child. And at that moment, the Bible says that she begins to not necessarily, I want to be careful to overly look in the Bible and say what the Bible doesn't say. But the Bible does say in the passage that Sarai felt like she was despised now by Hagar. And we defined the Hebrew word for despise last week. And the Hebrew word is not this like, I despise. The Hebrew word is she looked down on her as now the lesser. Yes, you're the wife of Abraham, but I now carry the seed of this man. And so I'm the greater and you're the lesser. Don't look at that as necessarily arrogance as much as she literally is carrying Abraham's seed. How would that make you feel? So she elevated herself above Sarah and Sarah got angry about it. And the Bible says here that Sarai dealt harshly. Look in Genesis chapter 16 and verse number five. And Sarai said unto Abraham, my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But Abraham said unto Sarai, behold, thy maid is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. This is what the Bible is saying in this passage. Once Hagar 
recognized that she was with child, she looked down upon Sarai as the lesser. And Sarai said, that's not gonna happen. Abraham, may God deal with you and me for making this decision, but what this woman is doing, it must be dealt with. Wives, I know we're not there. My wife has joked many a times, it's a good thing you're not Mormon because I'd have killed every one of the ones you were trying to have be wives with. We're talking about that Mormonism up in the Northern part of Arizona, the polygamy side of it. She said, that ain't happening. I, I could see Robin, if this was culturally what was happening, she would rise up and say, hey, we may have made a wrong decision. That might've been a bad choice, but this woman's gonna find out who's the head hen in this house, right? And, and that's the idea here. And so she deals harshly with Hagar to let her know who the lead hen was. I would say the alpha male, but this is not, we're not dealing with the males. Who's the queen of the roost? And that is literally what happens. And we don't know exactly what she does to Hagar, but here's what we do know. It is so brutal. Her pride is so brutal. Not only does she blame her husband for the choice she made, but she turns that anger and resentment and hurts Hagar in an amazing way out of her pride and poor decision-making. And then thirdly, her humanity. She hurts her so much, the Bible says, that, that Hagar makes some choices. And I want us to take just a minute uh, to watch Hagar's response to the hurt. Look in the Bible with me. First of all, the Bible says she retreats. The word of God said she fled from her face. She is retreating. The Bible says we can assume, can I make this assumption? And I am saying that for that reason. The Bible says she's heading toward Shur, H-S-H-U-R. But if you look at a map from where they were located, Shur was on the way to Egypt. More than likely, more than likely, Hagar says, I don't have to put up with this. I can go back home to where my people are. I can go back to mom and dad and brothers and sisters and friends that I have before I was handed off to these crazy people. I'm heading back to Shur and she, or Egypt, and she is broken. And she's probably got all of her stuff with her and she's with child and she's walking down that road and she is more than likely weeping and saying, why? What did I do to deserve this? It wasn't even my choice. I was forced to do this. This is not even fair. Life is not right. I'm not getting it. And again, I wanna be careful not to put these words in her mouth, but she is human and we can assume this kind of pain is happening. The Bible says that she's returning to Egypt and running away from the problem and she finds herself, the Bible says, at this fountain. Notice in the word of God with me, she comes to this, this, this fountain, this, this place where the water is flowing. And, and she stops there. I just have to wonder, I'm just curious, again, if it's here, she's tired and she rests and she sits down and she's just crying. And maybe at this moment, she actually cries to the God that she's been introduced to. We know this to be true because in a little while, here's what she's literally going to say. He heard my cry. He hears me. And maybe at that moment she is crying to God or maybe she's just crying in general, but she's calling out and she is crying unto the Lord. The Lord hath heard my cries. She cries unto God. 
So put yourself in this story together with me today, Genesis chapter number 16, and recognize the difficulty. Verse seven, and the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou? And whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, behold, thou art with child and shalt bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man, and his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? What a crazy story. This woman is hurt. She's been hurt. She's been hurt by people that she trusted. She's been hurt by people that based upon the time that she had been with them, she would have recognized that they should have had a presence with the God, Jehovah. She's hurt by people who are her leaders, her leadership. She's been hurt. And she responds by returning, retreating, running, and she cries unto God. And I want you to see what is so important in this situation and any situation. By the way, let me preface what I'm about to say. Although we see God working in Sarai's life this way, it's not a guarantee that these same things God's going to do for you in your hurt. I, I think a lot of time we look at the Bible and we say, well, if David defeated a giant, then God's surely going to let me defeat a giant as well. Not, not necessarily. David also suffered defeat. And sometimes we suffer defeat. But the point is, we can see the character of God as he works with the creation that he has made. And we can recognize that the character of God never changes. And we can rest in that, the beauty of that. So look here in the Bible with me, if you would, at this story. And let's, let's notice God's response that is so important for us to see that no matter the problem, no matter the issue, it's all about resting and trusting in God. That's what this story is all about. Number one, God's response to Hagar, the hurting, the character of God revealed. First of all, he found her. I love this phrase. And the angel of the Lord, by the way, the word Lord here in the text is the word for Yahweh, meaning the self-existing one, Jehovah. This is a theophany. Last week, I said a Christophany, wrong word, theophany. Christophany is after the death of Christ. Theophany would be before the work of Christ. But Christophany may be in the sense that this would be, some would say, this, in, uh, this visual representation of Christ at this moment, before his actual birth. The Bible says that this special individual spoke as though he were distinctly 
from Yahweh, yet he spoke in first person as if he were Yahweh. And that is why we see him as a theophany, God being shown to us, many believe Christophany, specifically Jesus Christ in this form. The Bible says that Yahweh himself, notice this phrase, found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. The word found, by the way, please recognize this in the word of God. The word found does not give us the idea that he was playing hide and go seek and didn't know where he was. How many of you have a place that you go to when you want to get away? And it is the place that your wife is familiar with. And your wife knows that. And so she goes to get you and she says, I knew I would find you here. It's not that she went out hunting and didn't know. She knew where you would go. She knew where you were at. God is not in the dark where Hagar's at. God knows exactly where Hagar's at. And this is the place in which he found her. And I love the fact that the Bible says this is a wonderful truth with just a beautiful thought. Um, His promises are not just to his chosen, which would have been Abraham, but to this pagan girl from Egypt. And in in the middle of her condition as her creation, God has not uh, just singled out some that he prefers and is not working in those that he doesn't prefer. God knows where all of us are at, at whatever moment we're in. And God knows exactly what you're going through. That is the character of God. And I don't know who has hurt you today. And I don't know what kind of hurt you're dealing with and the desperation that is building, the anger that has come up. But but they may not respect you, but there's a God in heaven that does. And they may not honor you, but there's a God in heaven that is not sinful, that is not broken. They may be sinful and say the wrong things in the wrong moment without good planning in the midst of their humanity, but God is perfect and righteous and holy in all things. And can I say this? Just because humanity's done you wrong, don't get a wrong view of God. I've dealt with so many teenagers that have said, the way I am today is because of the way my dad dealt with me. And my encouragement to you is you've got a wrong view of God. Your dad is broken, but your God is not. And, and, and you may seem lost this morning and, and kind of on this unique path that you're on and you're trying to find your own way outside of God because of something that has happened in your life. But, but we can see that God's, God's just not favoring the chosen. And I love this story. God's not sitting up with Abraham and Sarai saying, hey, you're my special picked out ones. You're the, and can I use this word, although Abraham is not, you're the Christians and we, and me, God favors you. God, God is not doing that. God is not bound to that. God is favoring his creation. And I don't care who you are today and how you've been treated and dealt with by somebody else. You're the creation of God and he knows exactly where you are at. David said, when I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. When I make my bed in heaven, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thou art with me and thy right hand holds me. In darkness, God is there. He cares. In light, God is there. He cares. So the excuse, listen, the excuse, well, I'm not going to give myself to God because I was hurt by, won't work. 
because God's never hurt you. People have, but God hasn't. God knows exactly where, exactly where this little girl is at. He's got Hagar in his sights. I think this is a beautiful truth that we see in this passage. She finds the fountain. By the way, this is super cool. The first time Hagar escapes, you do know Hagar has to escape twice. The first time she escapes, she escapes because of the harshness that Sarai showed. The second time she has to leave Abraham's family, you'll see this futuristically, is because Isaac now, in order, although younger, in order to be the heir, has to be out from underneath Ishmael's shadow. Ishmael is a lot older than Isaac. And Ishmael had come to the age of 18 years old where it was time for him to be his own man so that Isaac could become clearly the heir to Abram. And so God told Abram, send Hagar away. It's time for Ishmael to become his own man. And they together leave, the Bible says, and now they're in the desert and it's hot and it's so hot he's about to die. So she makes a spot for him in the sand to be cool. And she goes off a distance, the Bible says, away from him to die and God in his beautiful sovereignty and promise shows up again. The first time she finds the fountain, the second time the fountain finds her. Can I say it that way? God says, Hagar, I got you. Look right over there. There's a well. Go drink. Hagar never left God's sight. He found her. Secondly, notice the text. The Bible says he recognizes her. This is so cool to me. The Bible says when the angel approached her in verse number eight, he said, Hagar, he calls her by name. Hagar, Sarah's maid, Sarai's maid, sorry. He knows her. He indicates that the angel references, not only watches the angel indicate, not only does he know her by name, but he knows where she's supposed to be. Hagar, the one that used to be Sarai's servant. Is that what he said? He, he didn't say that. He had a plan for her life. Hey, Hagar, Sarai's servant. Notice what he says next. The Bible says, whence camest thou and whither wilt thou go? I, I want you to understand, Hagar, where did you come from? And, and, and really, where do you think you're going to go from here? And Hagar replies to the reasoning of her move. It wasn't a move of God. It wasn't the hand of God. It wasn't the call of God. It wasn't the direction of God. Hagar is moving, why? Because she's been, she's been hurt. The Bible says, and whither shalt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. God knows her. God, listen, listen, listen. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here because I kind of, kind of blended these two thoughts into the first one. God knows you. I love that Southern song, he knows my name. Every step that I take, every move that I make. Church, he knows us. I, again, David said it this way in Psalm 139, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou art acquainted with all of my ways. Hey, God knows you. He knows what you can take and can't take. He knows where you're at. 
He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. He knows the weight that is placed upon your life. And I find it interesting, uh, by the way, if we believe God is sovereign, do you believe God is sovereign over all things? Do you believe that the will of God is working right now in our lives and he is perfect in everything that he does? He is keeping the earth on its axis and the sun at bay. He has chosen every single birth. Do you believe that? Do you believe God has ever went, oh man, I messed up. I meant to have them born in the first century and they showed up in the 21st century. God's never done that. Okay, watch, watch. Then God knows you and he knows that the 21st century in this moment is where you needed to be. And we can't remove ourselves from that. I'm gonna go get me a passport and move to a secluded island so I'm no longer under this wretched government. I understand the government's hard and I understand sometimes we move as the pilgrims did. The leading of God upon that, I I get that. But God's got you here for such a time as this, in this moment of your life. And God knew her. Hey, 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 Sarai, I mean, excuse me, Hagar, Sarai's handmaid, why are you here? Well, I'm here because I was dealt with so badly by Sarai. He knows her. Thirdly, notice the text. The Bible says he guides her. Look at verse number nine. And actually, let's not miss the passages here together. He says, whence camest thou and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of thy mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. Go back to where you belong. Go back to the commitment and submit to it. What? What? Sarai, I, I, I found you in this spot. I, I knew you were here. I know you, Sarai. And now I'm gonna guide you to the best decision that you can make for your life. Sarai, go back. Go back. Return to that place. Don't change in the dark what God has revealed in the light. Don't don't move your step because of difficulty. May your steps be moved because I'm leading you. If I'm using difficulty to lead you, then I'm gonna show you that. But submit and, and return. In this particular story, again, I'm not... I am not, it it would be wrong of me to take this text out of context and say that for every one of us sitting here, every single time when a difficulty comes or when a famine comes, that God's not trying to move us. Because sometimes that does happen. But we better know that God's doing the moving through the famine, not me reacting to difficulty. That's the difference. And this is what is happening in this passage. And, And she runs and he guides her. The Bible says that not only does he find her, and, and, and I love that, but he recognizes her for who she is and then he guides her to where he wants her to be. I love what Job said in chapter 22, verse eight, behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself. And on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But, I love this phrase, he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, tried me, difficulty comes, I shall come forth as gold. 
He guides her. Fourthly, he promises her. Look at Genesis chapter 16 now in verse 10. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for a multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child and shalt bear a son and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. I know there's uh, just beautiful speculation about this text. There's wrong speculation maybe about this text. But in this text, we do see this, that God gives this woman some blessing and some help and a gift of promise in her difficult situation. And if we rest in God and trust in God, it may be that God is using that difficult situation to mold you and to chisel you into what he needs you to be futuristically. And that is what he's doing in Hagar. Ishmael wasn't necessarily a curse. Please hear me. And a lot of times we wrongly think this and preachers have wrongly made us think this, that Ishmael was a curse from God because of a bad decision, and now we're still dealing with that curse today in the 21st century. No, the Bible says, I'm going to, what is the word he used? Bless. I'm going to bless thee with a child. In your womb is a child. There is something you need to know about this child, though. He is going to be, the Bible, the King James uses the, the word a wild man. Um, if you study other definitions of this word, it means like a donkey. It literally means that. And, 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 and a lot of the other texts that you see are the definitions of this word. If you look in the Greek, or excuse me, the Hebrew, you'll find that the idea here was like a wild donkey of a man. He's wild like a donkey, cannot be tamed. He's not going to be muzzled. This donkey is going to show defiance to anyone that puts his hand against him. And then he's going to show aggression to those who even don't. That's the kind of man he's going to be. But I'm going to, through Ishmael, bless you. And, and your seed is going to be multiplied as well. God takes this difficult situation and he uses it as only a wonderful God can. And, and again, I'm not saying, and that's why we can't go phrase for phrase, word for word in this story and say, if somebody offends you, you're going to have a child. And he's going to be a wild. Robin's laughing like, no, because I know I'm going to be offended sometime within the next week and I don't want to get pregnant. You know, so no, that, that's, not, that's not what it's saying, right? But it is saying this, there's a God in heaven who knows where you are within your hurt. And he recognizes you for you. And he has a plan in, for your life that he wants you to be guided through that's not altered by the wrong choices of someone else. That's the beauty of the character of God. He's not all messed up because we're messed up. Hallelujah. And now he's trying to reveal that to this woman and trying to help her to see this beautiful truth, recognizing that she is, she is loved by God. The Bible says here that a servant she might have been, but check this out, a mother of many, she would also become. God blesses Ishmael again in Genesis chapter 17, verse 20. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, notice this word, be careful. What's the word? 
What's the word in the text? If it's up there, behold, I have what? Would you say it loudly? Why are we so nervous to say that? And as for Ishmael, the father of the Arabs, if you tie that genealogy all the way back, Abraham would be the father of the Jews. If we're right with God and we're good Christians, that makes us feel fuzzy. But we have been taught and trained that the father of the Arabs is Ishmael, and that doesn't make us feel fuzzy. They're God's creation. There may be a lot of wrong that's happening, but there's a lot of wrong in all of us. And God doesn't elevate one and lower the other. God said, yes, through Ishmael, they're gonna be a generation of people that are gonna be like a wild donkey. They're not gonna be bossed and bullied around and muzzled. And they are sometimes gonna be obstinate to everyone that is. That's the kind of people that this is gonna be. But I'm blessing you with this. You see, somehow, sometimes that wrong thinking comes. We've got to be careful. There are consequences to bad decisions that do affect our lives. But if we truly believe in the sovereignty of God, then we believe God loves every single man and woman that's ever been born. And they're not born automatically a curse. They're born automatically a blessing. They choose to reject God. And then the difficulty follows. Wow. The whole dynamic changes when we let the Bible speak for itself. That's what we have. These are the promises of God, the blessings of God upon a woman that was hurt. And then lastly, in this passage, we see this. Number five, he heard her. Genesis chapter 16, verse 11b. And shalt call his name Ishmael. The name Ishmael literally be- means God hears. I, again, can I show you, I wanna be careful with this. I gotta be very careful. Uh, can I show you how whacked up our culture is a lot of times? We have no problem naming our children Isaac, but we would think twice about naming them Ishmael. Did you know the name Isaac means laughter? You want to know why Isaac means laughter in the Bible? It's because twice said, I'm going to give you children in your late life. And Abraham laughed. Ha, 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 yeah, right. And Sarah's like, you can't, I, can't, I can't have a child when I'm 90. Come on. <laughs> and laughs out of the lack of faith. The name Isaac means laughter from that. The name Ishmael means God hears. Yet we lean toward Isaac. By the way, we like the name Isaac. There's nothing wrong with that, Isaac. We got a couple of you in here, but we don't have any Ishmaels. I'm not to say that you didn't decide last minute not to go that direction, but isn't it interesting? God has a plan. God is big and God hears her. And he says, you're gonna name him Ishmael, which means I heard you. There's nothing wrong with the name Ishmael. Now, Judas, on the other hand, I don't think I named my kid that. But anyway, I'm just kidding. That's a cool name as well. All right? Or what, what, what's the other? Uh, uh, the, why am I blanking all of a sudden? Um, we don't normally name our daughters Jezebel, right? Okay, that just seems kind of awkward. But we serve a God that hears. He heard her. 
the Bible says, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, God names him to confirm that he heard her. I found you, I recognize you, I guide you, I promise you, bless you, I hear you. Wait a minute, this is a little Egyptian slave, right? That leadership hurt, correct. And yet God follows her all the way to that fountain and meets her there. Again, I don't know who's hurt you, but I know it's happened. And I don't know where the hurt's coming from, but it is coming. And when it does, there's a God that recognizes. And if we walk around all prideful, like I can't believe they hurt me, and we retreat from humility into pride because of anger and because of resentment and because of bitterness, and we don't let God do what he beautifully doesn't do in those situations, then we're going to miss out on seeing the greatness of God in our hurt. This is the beauty of this story of Hagar. Let me close with this quickly. Hagar's response to God. After God meets her along the way, I want us to see quickly Hagar's response to God. Number one, the Bible says she recognizes God's work. Genesis chapter 16, look at verse 13. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. Here's what she called him. Um, It's gonna be hard for me to explain. This is a name she was giving, it's a phrase. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. Here's the name, thou God seest me. Hagar gives him this name. She recognizes God's work in her life personally. Thou God seest me. She gives him this name. And here's why. Here's the reason. For she said, have I also here looked after him that seeth me? And what she's really saying in here is, I have seen him and he has seen me. That is what that phrase is saying. Thou God seest me is the name, for I have seen him and he has seen me. He has looked after me as I looked after him. And this is the truth of the matter. She recognized that God is sovereign and is in control and can make all things work together for good to them who love him and to them who are called according to his purpose. God has not missed a step and she sees all of that. Can you imagine the beauty of that to a woman who worshiped the sun god? who who didn't always see this God provide. She is seeing the beauty of this. The Bible says here, it is in these moments that we must recognize that God's promises are not hindered by our actions and the actions of others. All of God's people right now, really down in our hearts should be saying amen to that thought. God's promises, God's ways, God's goodness is not hindered by the actions of others nor the action of myself. He is a great God, and he hears and he sees. Number two, she worships God for his work. Notice in verse 14, the way she worships. This is worship. Wherefore, the well by her was called Be'er Laharoi. Now, that's a strange name. Again, it is very strange unless you understand its meaning. The name Be'er Laharoi means this, well of the living one who sees me. Ishmael's name was what? God 
amazing thought. She names God, this God that she doesn't know super well because Abraham really doesn't know him very, very well yet. But she names this God, the God who sees me. And then she says, this spot where God met me, this well, I'm gonna name it Be'er Laharoi, which means this, this is the spot where God sees me. This is, this is the place that I'm going to remember, a place of worship where God worked in my life. You're worthy of this title. You're worthy of me calling you this. You're the God. You're the God who sees, the living one who sees me. The Bible says, and behold, it is between Kadesh and Barit. Let God be the center of the moment when everything else is crazy around us, humanly speaking. Because he's the God, he's the living God who sees. I will show him worthy. I will not forget this spot. I'm gonna name it, it'll be a place. I won't forget the spot where God saw me and heard me. By the way, please don't miss this and we'll talk about this in a moment. Actually, let's go ahead and move to this third point. Number three, she obeys the direction of God. Oh, this story had a beautiful happy ending because Hagar decided to follow God and she went back and Sarai came up to her and said, you know what, I was really harsh with you and I want you to forgive me. Everything I said was bad and ridiculous and I should have never said that and I should have known better. We have no record that ever happened. And a lot of times we return because God's got to fulfill some list of stipulations before we'll do what we're already supposed to do. Well, I'll go get right if they get right with me. It never happens. We never see it. Matter of fact, later on, Sarah's going to do it again. Well, if you promise you never do this again, then me and you can get right with each other. What are the odds of that even happening? Keisha, what are the odds that this man is not going to offend you? It's very slim. And what's the odds that I won't do it twice? I mean, you hope not. We all hope. I'm not going to say I get to offend you because I'm a sinner. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to do that. I hope I wouldn't. If I did, remove me from the pastorate right away. But what are the odds I'm not going to do something stupid again? I hope if I'm led by the Holy Spirit and submitted to him fully, that I'm not gonna walk in the flesh. I'm gonna walk in the spirit and, and everything's gonna be right. But what if there's that moment where I go my way and my pride and poor decision-making, my humanity flips the lid. Are you gonna say then, okay, then he's done it a second time. So now I really get to quit on God. Does, are, you making, are we making sense? No. Yes, we are making sense. No, that's not what she did. She returned as God said. She obeyed as God said. And God fulfilled his promise to her. He blessed her. He gave her Ishmael. He was born. He did grow into be a very powerful people. That was exactly what God said it would be. Right? I would rather be in the center of God's plan in difficulty than be out of God's plan with ease. And I can't help to say I've been tempted. Just give up the difficulty and give me the ease. But you and I both know that that's never the case. She obeyed. The Bible says that she did exactly what God told her to do. She responded 
to God. She obeyed God's direction and her faith, watch this, this is so cool. I, I don't know if it was recognized in heaven someday, but her faith as a pagan was even greater than her faith of the one she was following, the called of God, Abraham. She just simply said yes and turned around and went back. What do we do when we're hurt? What do we do when, when prideful, selfish people say prideful, selfish things? What do we do when people don't plan accordingly and, and mess things up because of poor, again, poor planning, poor decision-making? What do we do, the Bible says here, when, when people do what sinners do? We just look to him. And I don't want to make it that simple, but it is that simple because I can't look to you. I look to him to give me direction because he knows me and he sees me and he hears me and he's given me his promises and blessings and I can rest in that beauty no matter what surrounds us. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had together today. We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about Him and as you study His Word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.